0: Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Pleasure to have each and every one of you with us this morning. My name is Pastor Tim, and it's my great privilege to say, at least for the foreseeable future, for the last time, open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We are in the end of our series, the sixth chapter a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a group of uh, believers who were trying to understand who they were and their identity In a fallen and and pagan world and Paul writes to them and he reminds them of who they are in Christ he reminds them of all the privileges and the position that they hold as sons and daughters of God how much God loves them and cares for them how he has equipped them and filled them with his spirit and how he longs for them to live in victory and not in defeat in the last three chapters of this incredible letter we have learned of the application of that once we know who we are and how god has uniquely equipped us for every good work that he has for us now we are to go out and live in light of that identity to live in light of that truth and the people of god in ephesians were blessed by Paul's writing, and we've picked this letter up now 2,000 years set apart from its original writing, and we pick it up in a world of fallenness, in a world of lies and and deception, and we ask the question, and we've done so over these many weeks, who am I? Who am I? How do I define myself? How do I understand my purpose and meaning in this world? If I don't know who I am, if you don't know who you are, that search for significance, that pursuit for meaning and and understanding of why you were created will never truly get answered. You will go about looking for all of the things that the world labels as identities, as defining marks in who you are, but none of them will settle you none of them will secure you in the place that god has created you to live and created you to prosper and so god writes this letter to us through the apostle paul and he wants the truths of this passage in this book to seep into our hearts and minds to remember who we are to know who we are to be founded in the truth of who God has made us to be and in doing so to act and to respond and to live in correspondence to that identity, to that defining mark and purpose that God created us to have. So this morning we come to Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 through 24. And it's the closing. Paul is landing the plane. And what I want to do is I want to mix a bit of this message in dealing with the text, and addressing what Paul says in these last verses, but I also want to look back to where we've been and to be reminded of the truth that God has, and I want to do so in more of a pastoral way. So we'll address the text, and I'll try to address it to, and be faithful to it, but I want to speak as your pastor to you right where you're at in what I believe hopefully will practically be the last picture that you'll remember from the book of Ephesians. And I'm hoping that that practical picture will help you and will enable you to not be knocked down by the lives of the world, the devil, and yes, even our flesh, but that you and I would live in victory, that we would live in power, that we would live by the Spirit of Almighty God and we would be able to stand strong amidst the war and the battle that we find ourselves in. And so to that end, let's look at these last verses of this incredible book that we have been given, uh, the book of Ephesians. He says this in verse 18. Praying at all times and in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also pray for me that the words may be given to me and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I might declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So that you may also know how I am and what I am doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose." that you may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. In these last weeks, we have picked up this book of Ephesians, which writers gush over. Bible scholars and Christians alike say that this book is one of the most meaningful in all of the scriptures because of the truths that are contained within it. Some of the ones that I've been following as I've been doing this study, Tim Keller says this about the book of Ephesians. Ephesians is a call to live the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, a call to embrace the fullness of life that is only found in him. Listen to me, church. What Ephesians is telling us is that the real life, the good life, the only life that you and I will ever find worth living is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so the world will tell you, you don't need God, you don't need Jesus, you don't need this religious stuff. But the Bible, God, our Creator is saying in the book of Ephesians, you can have the life that is only found in Christ, it's here for us to have. Another one says this, Ephesians is a letter of immense spiritual power, the words of which can transform the human heart. We need transforming change in our lives. The lies of the world, the devil, and the flesh will knock us down. But the truth of God's word is what transforms and changes us. And the book of Ephesians, I hope and pray, has done that. Another writer says this, in Ephesians we see the glory of Christ and the power is resurrection. And we are invited to participate in that power. By faith, Did you know the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive in you by the Spirit of Almighty God? You have that kind of dynamite power within you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive and well in every Christ follower today. And the book of Ephesians says you can grab hold of that. Finally, the last writer says this. He says, Ephesians is a letter that reminds us of our spiritual blessings in Christ and challenges us to live in light of those blessings. We're going to learn today that we've been blessed with everything that we need. Everything you need in this life, everything that you need that's going to impact you in a negative way, God has an answer for as ephesians begins out in ephesians chapter 1 we are reminded we are blessed by our god and father in heaven that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven that he chose us before the foundations of the world that he predestined us as adoption in adoption as sons of god We have been purposed by his grace. We have a purpose, we have meaning in our life because our creator God has given us that. He has forgiven us of our sins. He has redeemed us in his son. He has graced us upon every area that we need. He has given us his unmerited favor and he has lavished upon us all wisdom and insight and he has done so because he says we've obtained an inheritance. You and I have so much more in Christ than we could ever imagine. And what the book of Ephesians is written for is that we would know it and we would take hold of it. That we would know all that we have in Christ and that we would live in light of that. And so this morning I'm gonna ask for you to challenge the lies you've believed and to begin to hear the truth of God's Word. But let's pray and ask God's blessing on our time together. Father God, we come before you. We thank you again for this time. I ask for wisdom and discernment as you give me the words to say. I pray that it would be meaningful and impactful, that it would truly transform, and that it would change the way we look at ourselves, the way we look at you, and the way that we look at the lies and the uh, worldviews that are declared by the world and culture around us. Let us believe the truths and not fall for the lies, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I want to introduce you to a friend of mine, Karate Ken. And Karate Ken is my illustration today. My whole sermon is going to revolve around Karate Ken. And the reason why is I believe, as I've been teaching the book of Ephesians, that this is a lasting way for you to remember what God is wanting to teach us in Ephesians. Now, I had hoped for it to be different. I had bought through Amazon this little toy, and I was told I was getting two, at least what I thought I was getting two, and what I really got was one, but (laughs) double-sided. But because I don't want the guys to feel subconscious about the six pack, we're gonna do Karate Ken, okay? And so uh, my hope was, is I was going to show you a contrast between the two, and so we're going to change that a little bit, and I'll write a bad Amazon review when I'm done. But for some of you, you have no idea what this is. What this is is something that we grew up with, and uh, for a lot of the older people in our our congregation today, you know these as weebles, weebles. Now, if you're young, you're like, you've never heard of such a thing. Weebles were created to be a toy uh, that had to have a science behind it. And the science behind it was, is that this was created so that you could hit it, you could punch it, you could beat it up, you could do everything you wanted to with it, but it was scientifically designed to have something in the bottom of it that caused it every time you hit it to come back up. And what it is, you're like, well, it's just full of air, but when I lift it, you're gonna hear something. Okay? I'm glad they built this stage well. Okay? There's a whole lot of water on the bottom of this weeble. Now weebles come in all shapes and sizes. This is for young kids to punch and beat up and kick and tackle. And the great thing about it is, as they would advertise, weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. Okay? All you old people nailed it right on the head. Okay. Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I want us to look at our lives and ask the question this morning, do we have a Weeble faith? Do we have a Weeble life? Because here is what the Bible told us last week. We are in a war. We are in a battle. In fact, the Scripture says, That we are to be strong in the lord and the strength of his might we are to put on the full armor of god that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil we learned last week that the devil uses three things himself the world that is the world's ideas and thoughts and lifestyles and pursuits and the flesh, that our flesh is corrupted because of sin, that we are given to sin more than we are given to holiness. And so the devil is waging this war against us, and he longs to knock us down. Now, This is where the other guy would have been really helpful. He would have been able to knock us down. And for some this morning, you find yourself down and out because you are believing the lies of the devil. You're believing the lies that you're telling yourself. You're believing the lies of the world. You are finding your identity in all of those things and you wonder why when hardships and difficulties come, you're on the ground, you're hurting, you can't get out, you're languishing there. And the problem is is that there's a battle going on where the devil wants to knock you out. But in this book of Ephesians, we have seen no less than ten times, in fact, in each of the chapters, there is what, is what keeps us from falling down and staying down, and that is the Spirit of Almighty God. Ten times He is introduced as the Spirit, that we are to fill ourselves with the Spirit. And so if we do not want to be knocked down by the lies of the world, by the deceit of the world, by the deceit of our flesh, we need to fill ourselves with the Spirit of Almighty God, not be filled with wine, not be filled with debauchery, not filled with ourselves, but filled with the Spirit, so when the devil, the world, and our sin knock us down, we come back up. The book of Ephesians says that what is in the bottom, if you will, of the Christian life is not of our own making. It's not of our own doing. That what that ballast that allows this to come back up is our identity. It is what I know of myself. It is what I know about myself, who I am, why I've been created, what God has called me and purposed for me to do. And if I have my identity founded in God's identity of who I am, when the devil knocks me down, I'm gonna come right back up. But if I find my identity in the world's lifestyles, in the world's pursuits, in the world's places of significance, when I get knocked down, as the life alert bracelet says, I'll fall down and I can't get up. And for some right now, you're down and you're out, and you're wondering why is it That God has promised all of these great things. And I'm not feeling very very good about where my life is. And the question is, are you filled with the Spirit? Are you filled with the Spirit in so much as that when you get knocked down, you come back up? And again, it's not of your own doing. It's not of your own making. It is the power of God that is at work within you. To get there, my friends, you must identify yourself through God's eyes and not your own. Now, throughout the Bible, we have seen physical manifestations of this spiritual war. Remember I told you, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood last week, but we uh, fight against, we wrestle against principalities and and, uh, spiritual forces in the dark world. But they have physical manifestations, and they come out, and we see them in the Old and New Testament. These spiritual things that take place, these lies... They're used to knock down and cause people to be down and out. Let's start in the Garden of Eden. And each of these are ancient lies, ancient ideas, ancient thoughts, where people start building their identity around those things instead of God, and we see how they fall apart. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve are there, and the devil comes to Adam, and he says, Did God really say you can't do this? And an Adam, instead of identifying himself as a created individual created by God to worship and adore God, he fell for the lie. He fell for the lie and instead of identifying himself with God, he identified himself by himself and he fell, and he fell. How about for those that find themselves like uh, the spirit of, of Pharaoh in our world today. Pharaoh held people in bondage. Pharaoh held people in, in fear and, and, and in slavery. And some of us are down and out right now because of the spirit of Pharaoh. There's sin in our lives that we have been chained with. There's, there's, there's sins in our lives we keep going to, and instead of standing upright, we're down and out. And we're beating ourselves up, and we're wondering, why do I keep following this? Why do I keep going after this? And we're chained in it. And we can't escape it, and we can't get beyond it. You have fallen to the lie of the spirit of Pharaoh. You keep going, and you come to a guy named Goliath. And Goliath comes, and he's big, and he's strong, and he's mocking the people of God. And what he's saying is the lie that many of us are believing today, that my present circumstances are bigger than the God who I identify with. And so Goliath comes to the people of God, the Israelite people, and he mocks them. And he says, someone come and fight me. And everybody's too afraid to fight him. So all the nation of Israel is down and out. Because they've fallen into the lie. And some of you have fallen into the lie that God is an impotent God. God is unable to do what he says he can do. And so when the enemies of God come, we believe the lies of the enemy instead of standing strong as David did. Then there's the spirit of Absalom, who is the son of of David. And Absalom had all the opportunities, all the rights and privileges of a prince, the son of a king. But instead of believing who he was, instead of grabbing hold of the privileges and rights of who he was, he allowed himself to fall. And you know what did it for him? Anger, resentment, bitterness. And he went down and went after that. And some of us are are down, laid down, not standing tall, not filled with the Holy Spirit, because someone did something to us a while ago, and we've never let it go. And we've held on to it. And we're eating and drinking that poison as if it's affecting the person in an adverse way. And it's only affecting us. And we're down and out. And we're wondering why I'm not standing at all. I'm not standing strong. And it's because we're believing the lie of Absalom. And we're living in this place of revenge and bitterness and wrath. There's the spirit of Jezebel in some of our lives. The spirit of Jezebel is this. I can do with my body as I want all kinds of sexuality all kinds of perversion i can do and queen jezebel did this she said this and jezebel lived during the times of the prophet elijah she said this you get out of my way as i express myself you get out of my way and don't you dare tell me what god has to say about my expression and so elijah this great and strong man he starts believing the lies of jezebel And the spirit of Jezebel, and he found himself discouraged and heartbroken and downtrodden. He is given almost to death. He is ready to give up and give in. And some of you are down and out because you find yourself saying, man, culture is so messed up. Things are so off kilter. They'll never be the same again. And who am I? I'm just one person. And you've allowed yourself to be down and out. The Bible's full of these spirits. How about the spirit of Herod? Herod's the king of of Israel when when Jesus is born. Word comes that the king of the Jews has been born in Bethlehem. And, And King Herod says, listen, I'm in charge. I am king. And there are a great many people who are down and out, even though they feel like they're in charge, because here's what's happened they have made themselves king they have made themselves god and anybody including jesus christ himself that gets into the way of their self-expression of their understanding of their pursuit of pleasure and want and pleasure of satisfaction king herod says this i'll kill anybody in my way of that and you know what he does he kills the innocents of bethlehem He kills the youngest and most fragile among us and we live in a time and an age where we are willing to kill the innocent among us so that we can express ourselves, so that we can have autonomy of our bodies, we can have autonomy of our lives and the spirit of Herod is alive and well and it's knocked a great many people down. Then there's the spirit of a church So you're like, well, I'm glad I'm in church. I don't have that spirit. I don't have any of those spirits going on in my life. And the Bible says there's a spirit in the church of Laodicea in the book of Revelation. And he says to a church of all places, you are down and out. And the reason why is you're lukewarm. You're neither hot nor cold. You think your religiosity is going to save you. It's going to fix you. You think that being here today, being a part of this activity is enough. And Jesus says this, I want to spit you out of my mouth. And so with all of these spirits, here inevitably is what is happening. You and I, and I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because I would want it, you want to stand tall. You want to stand strong, but the devil, the world, and the flesh are knocking you down. And sadly, because I don't have the other guy, you're down and out. But here's what the book of Ephesians says more than 10 times once in each of the chapters the spirits that are out in the world waging war against you have no chance against the Spirit of Almighty God and we have the Spirit of God in us and we are called to be filled by that Spirit And we are called to allow that spirit to fill us so that when we get beat up and knocked down in the world, and we are, some of you had some hard weeks this week, and you're down, and you've been beaten. Oh, can't do that. You do this, and do that. And notice what the spirit of Almighty God does. A weeble wobbles, but he does not fall down. We need that kind of faith. And the book of Ephesians was to give us the needed faith ballast to make us stand strong. And so why do I need to know who I am? Because knowing who I am in Christ Jesus, my Lord, my Savior, my God, is the only ballast that will let you stand strong in troubled times. And this is why, listen, this is why in this generation, identity is such a big thing. Because the devil knows if I can get young people to not believe who they are in Christ, they'll fall for anything. If I can get them to not know that they are loved by God, purposed by God for great and awesome things, that they have been redeemed by God and are gifted by God and are going to be used by God to do great things, if the devil can get you not to believe that, then they're out of the game. But who can ever come against us when we are founded and centered upon and grounded in the truth that I am a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, awaiting the inheritance of a lifetime. When I know that, and I'm founded in that, I'll be able to stand no matter what hits me. So, with that as our mark, how then would Paul end this letter? How would he end this letter for weebles who are wobbling? He will tell us three things. Three things that add to the weight that allows us to stand strong, to ground us. Three things. Number one, prayer. Prayer. In verse 18, he tells us this. Mid-sentence, after talking about spiritual warfare, he says the following. I want you to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, I want you to keep alert and pray with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also, he says, pray for me, that words may be given to me to open my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I'm in chains, I'm an ambassador in chains, I'm I'm a prisoner, he's writing from jail, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So you sit there and say, okay, I'm down and out. I'm struggling today, Tim. What should I do? The first thing that you should do is you should pray. You should pray, and here's why. Prayer is, and maybe you should write this down, prayer is the true barometer of my identity. Prayer is the true barometer of my identity. Here's what I mean, you can say I identify with Christ, you can say I'm a child of God's, you can say I'm a follower of his, you can say I have an inheritance waiting for me in heaven, you can say all of the truths of Ephesians one through three and say I believe all of that and I will tell you, do you really then show me your prayer life? Because if you believe that God is all that God says he is, If you believe that God is doing all that God says he is doing in your life, then you you and I will pray a whole lot more. Because we will recognize our identity apart from God. We are fragile, we are finite, we are broken, we are foolish, we don't know what's gonna come tomorrow. Uh, We are uh, beat up, we are abused, we are knocked down. We do not have what is needed and necessary for the fight. And so in prayer, prayer is the point of us saying, I can't do it, but he can. So prayer is the acknowledgement, I'm down and out, and I need someone bigger, better, stronger, wiser, greater than myself to get me back to where I need to be. And so Paul says pray in all times with all types of prayers for all types of people. Be praying, because you're not the only one down and out. And so you pray when you're down and out, you pray when your friend is down and out, and you lift up prayers and you say, God, here is our prayer life, God, Take us who are weak and make us strong. This is the problem with our prayers. We say, God, we're struggling. Make me comfortable. Make it easy. God says, what I want you to be praying for is that I would fill you so that you're able to take more of the fight and you're able to stand strong. And so what God is telling us is, is that we need to be in tune with him. And so here's the thing, you might right away think, okay, well give me a plan for prayer. And here's the plan for prayer. When you're down and hurting, when you need a helping hand, does it sound religious to you? Does it sound rote to you? Or does it sound like someone who is desperately in need of a helping hand? Prayer is saying, God, I don't have this, but you do and I need you, and I desire for you to enter my world, enter my life, and to take me who is down and to pull me back up. Now Paul says this also, I want you to pray for me, he says. And Paul in a really transparent moment says, I'm in prison, and my circumstances have me believing that I need to stay silent. And Paul says, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me that God would fill me in such a way that I would preach the message that I ought to preach? Some of us are not standing courageously in our schools, in our workplaces, in our communities. And so we live our Christian life down like this because we're not willing to pray prayers of, let me stand tall, not for my glory, but so that your gospel can go forth. The first way that we allow the spirit to fill us is we start praying prayers in that spirit. Second, we need partners. We need partners. In verse 21 and 22, Paul says this, he pivots into his final greetings so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. Tychicus, there you go if you're having a baby, let's have a Tychicus here at the church. Okay, he goes by Ty for short. Ty, the beloved brother, faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. So here, Tychicus comes. He comes to the church of Ephesus, and he brings the letter. Hey, I've been with Paul. Paul brings his greetings. Paul has written you a letter. Here's the letter that Paul has written. Can I read it to you? And of course, then, there's all kinds of questions of, well, what's Paul doing? What's going on? I hear Paul's in prison. He says he's an ambassador in chains. How is he? And Tychicus is there to say, hey, Paul's doing all right. Now, he prays that he wouldn't remain silent because there's a lot of hostility in the Roman jail, and so would you pray for him? But he's full of joy. He told the Philippian church they should be full of joy. He finds uh, great solace in Jesus being the preeminent one. When I dropped the letter off to the Colossians, he told them to keep their eyes on Jesus, who is the greatest and most awesome of all. And because of that, he should be preeminent in our lives. And he starts telling them all of these stories about Paul, encouraging them That Paul's doing okay but notice that there's a purpose there's a vision behind it here's this guy behind the scenes and he says this I have sent him verse 22 to you I've sent him to you for this very purpose that you would know how we are so he's telling them how they are but notice what he says and that he might encourage your hearts the Greek word encourage there is one who comes alongside And fills one who comes alongside and fills understand this when the Paul sends the Ephesians the letter they're feeling like this and so they get the letter and they're reminded about stuff they're reminded about God's love for them and and their place and position in God and that starts to help a little bit more but Titus comes and he says let me make sure that you are filled back up. You see, some of us are down and out right now. We're hurting, we're dying on a vine, and this is the problem that we do. What we do is this is where we're at right now. Some of you are right now here. You're hurting, you're despairing, you're filled with worry and anxiety, you're dying in your sin because you're given to temptation, and what happens is, is greet time comes, and everybody who's laying down, down and out, how you doing I'm good I'm good not really I'm way down here but I'm not gonna tell you that and so what Paul does is Paul models for us the need for partners for people in our lives. Tychicus came and he models for us what we should be doing in the lives of others and what others should be doing in our lives, and that is when we are down and out, the Tichicuses of our lives come and they fill us up with the truth of God's word. They literally are the conduit, they're the hose that fills us with the good things of God. For that to happen, three things need to take place. Number one, I already said it, you need to be transparent. You need to be transparent. Every study that we take and we see in the world says that people are living lives down here. And so we come to church and we're dying. We're down and out, we're sad. But then when it comes to time to talk to people, I'm fine, you're fine, we're all fine, we're all smiles. And transparency says, listen, I need help. I need help from God first, and I need help from faithful friends who are going to take me from here and bring me back here. Are you transparent enough? Now the studies around the world, and I thought about putting them up, they're all incredibly damning to our social construct right now, and it's this. We are more isolated than we've ever been before as a society. And something that we're seeing more and more of in our small group talked about this in our study, especially amongst younger people, they don't have friends. Because this isolation of doing things by ourselves, it's, it's isolating, and so we have less friends than we used to, and we're not honest with the friends that we do have, and we wonder why we're down and out. The second thing, transparency, time. Tychicus and Paul didn't just come to this relationship on their own, they had to dig into it. They had to invest time and attention. They had to have conversations. They had to speak to one another and get to know one another. That led to a third thing, trust. I have to trust that when I tell somebody I'm down and out, they're not gonna weaponize that. But they're gonna take it and their response will be, hey brother, I've been there too. Hey sister, I know what it's like to feel that way. And let me remind you of what God's word says some of you are buying into the worlds of the flesh the devil and the world and you're praying and and you can't shake these lies you can't shake them and you need someone outside of yourself to come and say hey listen god loves you god's got a plan for you god's got everything you need if you would just lean into him and rely on him you will find victory sometimes we need a faithful trusted friend to encourage our hearts so let me ask you this morning when you are down who are you turning to who's that trusted friend that you can go to and be transparent with who trusts you to do that who trusts you to be honest with them when they're struggling to speak truth into their lives Yes, prayer is essential, but we need partners as well who will love us too, where God has us already in the heavenly realms. Finally, it involves perseverance. Paul says we are to pray with all perseverance. And so right away you think, okay, I'm down. I just need to work really, really hard and get back up on my own. But notice what Paul says at the end of this letter. He says, peace be to the brothers and love with faith. Notice, it's not from us, but it's from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus with a love incorruptible, with a sincere love. Here's how we know if we have a sincere love for Jesus. That when we are down, we don't try to get up on our own through our own thinking through our own uh might and power through our own devices but that we persevere that when we are down we get back up by the grace of almighty god by faith reminded of god's love and the peace that we have with God, all of these gifts that God has given, we lean into that and say, God, I can't do it on my own. God, I can't persevere, but in your strength, with your power, with your might, I who was down now can stand tall. Are you leaning into that grace? That grace that reminds you of who you are. That grace that gives you the truth of God's word, not the lies of the world. As we close out the book of Ephesians, the question we have had to come to grips with is who am I? Who am I? Am I who God says I am? Is that how I identify myself? Is that uh, what brings me significance? Or do I believe the labels and identities of the world that will only leave me knocked down God says as we allow by the Spirit of God to fill us even when those lies come our way and knock us about and seem to push us away from his truth that the Spirit of Almighty God will give you the ballast it will give you the strength it will give you the perseverance to stand strong the book of Ephesians is telling you and I who we are and the victory that is found in that identity and that identity alone, amen? So live in light of what God says you are, of who God says you are, and when you do, and as you do in growing measure and growing maturity, the darts and the ploys and the schemes of the devil, the world and your flesh will be no match for the mature spiritual view of who I am. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am.